You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. Whether it's suppliers and partners in your industry, whether it is other experts in it, whether it is clients of yours that have like solved this issue and are now like beyond that or are really trying to and they figured out a couple things, but not everything and start having recorded conversations about that. That, my friend, as you know, is the foundation of a great podcast. If you can just start having these recorded conversations about this stuff, you take inventory of the problem and who it's affecting, figure out who you can go talk to about these things. There could be people on your own team and have these conversations about their own like input into it. Have conversations with people on each different seat of the bus that's moving towards solving this problem. You now have the foundation for a content machine that really scales really well. Have you ever wondered why some organizations are so much better at attracting talent or even attracting customers than others? Have you ever wondered what their secret sauce was? Well, today's guest, I believe, has the answer. I talk a ton about the importance of story and why we need to create our own narrative, one that the customer or even our potential employee can see themselves in. So we're going to talk about what it takes to become an evangelist CEO and why it's so important for you to continue to grow and scale your business. want to welcome to today's show, Pablo Gonzalez with BeTheStage.Live. Pablo, welcome to the show. Ryan, it is great to be here, man. I love hanging out with you and making content and getting to pick your brain, man. Likewise, I learn just as much when I sit down and talk to you. So I'm literally looking forward to today's show. So we were talking a little bit before the show about some of the things that's holding people back from being able to really effectively recruit. And one of the things I love to do on this show is to help people change the way of thinking, break through some kind of myth or some belief that they've been holding on to that's no longer true. And one of them I hear all the time is, I'm the CEO, I'm not responsible for recruiting. It's not my job to make sure that people know about us and can come work for us. I have a team of people to do that. And we were talking that I don't believe that to be true. I don't think you believe that to be true. Share some of that wisdom and that philosophy that you have around the CEO's responsibility when it comes to building a great team. I think about the state of the world right now, and I'm sure you talk a lot about this on this show. People have more options than ever, Mm. whether it's remote work and having more geographic options of where they can be, whether it's this idea that anybody can learn a skill on the internet over the next month or so, and then go apply to compete for whatever other job that they didn't have before, or just the base assumption that entrepreneurship has a lower entry barrier than ever. It's so much easier to just make 2000, 2500 bucks a month on your own without a boss than ever before. And that to me tells us that the value proposition of the employer-employee relationship has been irrevocably changed, right? Mm -hmm. So as a CEO, as a founder, you can choose to be one of two types of people. You can be the type of person that just thinks to themselves, hey, 
I have this company, I have this product, I have this service, I have this team. I just need to drive them to do all these different things because there's a market out there for this and people are looking for it. Or you can decide to have a strategic narrative that is different, that helps you stand out from your competition when you're competing against for clients and even your competition when you're competing against labor. Sure. For that type of CEO, I strongly believe that it is more impactful. It is more rewarding to be different than it is to be better or worse. And that narrative, that idea of who is different, that point of view about the world of why we're different and what we care about starts with the CEO. The CEO is the only one that can really establish that narrative in a way that the rest of the company buys in on it. And if you do that correctly, now you're changing that value prop for people, right? Because this generation of worker, because they have so many options, it can't just be, hey, here's a warm paycheck and a seat for you. It has to come with, this is your purpose. This is your mission. This is how you're going to progress in life. This is how you're going to stand out. So that to me starts at the top as a cultural thing, as a cultural narrative, as a obsession over a specific problem that you want to solve or a different way that you want to win or service the client or the way that you want to stand out. And if you leave that piece up to the rest of the company, then you're just way more vulnerable, right? Like you're more vulnerable to for it to be this non-consistent way of thinking and the story changes from department to department. Therefore, you're going to get an inconsistent commitment from the people that work for you. And you're way more vulnerable for the idea that if it's not the thing that you're trying to build, right, if you're not if you're not establishing that thing, then you can become obsolete. Like if you you can either be customer and problem obsessed and forever, the people that need that problem fixed are going to follow you or want to be a part of fixing that problem are going to follow you. Or you can be obsessed about the thing that you built. And at some point you're going to become irrelevant because people really mostly care about themselves. And if you're not solving something for them, you're not going to be around very long. So that to me is the change in thinking, this idea that as a CEO that can control this differentiating narrative, this differentiating point of view, this obsession over a specific problem or a specific type of client that you want to serve, that insulates you from what if my sales guy quits? What if my best sales guy quits? Or what if my head of HR quits or whatever, right? Like if you can own that part, then that is your flag on top of your mountaintop that nobody can ever take from you. And I think this is risk mitigation for the longevity of your business and consistency. Something I hear from CEOs all the time. They say, I just wish I could find somebody that would care as much as I do about the business. I just wish they would do it. And it's the interesting thing is whether or not you can find that, I don't want to debate that right now, but we know that majority of the time, CEOs don't have those types of people on the team, yet they relinquished this responsibility that you're talking about being this evangelist and being able to create this narrative. They relinquish that to someone that they know doesn't care as much about the business as they do. Absolutely true. There's this saying that I love to repeat that's like, you don't care about anything more than you care about yourself and everyone else is just like you, (laughs) right? So the idea that someone is going to care about your baby, your business, this thing that you fought and bled and argued with your wife for three years before you made any money and she thought that you should go get a job or your parents or whatever you're going to talk about. The idea that anybody's going to care more as much about that as you is a complete fallacy, but 
if you can make your business about solving a specific problem or serving a specific kind of person, you can find people that care as much about that problem or about those people or about that mission or about that cause as much as you. And that allows for real mode, intrinsic motivation and creating this like team that is all rolling in the right direction. I love that too. When you talk about creating that narrative, I believe truly that story that we not only tell ourselves, but we tell everybody else has to come from the top. It's the only way to create consistency across the organization, across our marketplace is if we have that story being consistent and coming from the leader of the organization. So I love this idea of having this narrative. How does somebody go about doing that? Because if I'm listening right now, I'm thinking, Pablo, that sounds awesome, (laughs) but way harder than you making it sound. So Help me understand. Unpack that for me a little bit. What's that look like? Yeah. The first thing to really understand, Ryan, is what we just said. This idea that people will care more about a problem or a specific type of person or a specific mission than they are about themselves, right? Like you're never going to convince somebody to care about your thing as much as you can care about our thing or this thing that we care about. If that's the case, then the first mental flip that people have to make is this idea of not being so obsessed about evangelizing their product or their company or their service as much as evangelizing the problem. Mm -hmm. She who can state the problem the best will be known to have the best solution. That is how the brain works. So the way that you do that is you create a specific point of view about how you see the problem. And the framework, the easiest framework for that point of view is you talk about the current state of the world. Right. You talk about how it is right now. This idea that we live in a world where workers have more options than ever before. And then you state the problem with that. This availability to have all these different options causes an extreme amount of churn with workers. It causes inconsistencies and headaches for the business owner that is trying to not be working in the business all the time and trying to create a team for themselves. And the solution is this thing that you have that that you can create for for what you believe can change that, right? Like I believe that an evangelist CEO that can really evangelize a problem and get people behind them can create this like fanatical work culture and this like flywheel of relationships and acquisitions of clients and, and talent and whatnot. And if you have that, right, if you have everybody rowing to one direction where you're super clear on the problem that you solve, the reasons why that problem is important and how you do it, that attracts the people that want to go on this mission with you as opposed to the people that want to get paid to do something that they didn't really want to do, but they need a paycheck, right? So that creates this consistency. And that that's a point of view statement, right? This like current state of the world, the problem with it, the ramifications of that problem, this new way of doing things, and this future state gets people nodding their head on like, yep, no, I agree. And now people are enrolling with what they're saying. So for the CEO that's thinking about it right now, break it down that way, right? Like go back to this moment when it wasn't you and 40 people go back to the moment where it was like you and your executive assistant and your one salesperson and your customer service manager. And you all really cared. And you really had this like grip with the market and you knew what the problem was. And 
get to that point, get to that aha moment of why you got into this and what you saw that other people weren't doing that offers you that space to then go fill that need, right? Like if you can key in on that and figure out what that problem is, then you can state the way that the world is right now and the problems with that and why that one insight that you had is this way of like unlocking that and then start future pacing that. That would be step one for me. Wow. So one of the ways that I've heard that explained before is your business is that metaphorical bus, right? Jim Collins, good to great. It's that metaphorical bus. And if people aren't bought into where that bus is going, or heck, even worse, you don't know where the bus is going because you don't know what your purpose, your cause, your passion, whatever that is you're aligning people around. If you don't know that, bus just goes around in circles. 100%. And then when something happens, people get off the bus and they go find another bus because they want to align. They want to follow a leader. They want to know someone, hey, we're making a difference in the world. And that's what they're looking for. So if you can create that story, get that metaphorical bus traveling in the right direction, getting everybody rowing. That's another one. Everybody rowing in the same direction, like all these metaphors. That's what I heard you saying. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate, man. And I don't want to conflate that with this idea of like vision and mission and core values. That's all that that all needs to be there. Those are all these like internal facing documents, but you can't get there with a hollow mission, right? Like you can't get there with like, oh, we're here to provide the best services and the best technology to the best people, right? Like that just rings really hollow. Yeah. So the thing that gets really people going is, hey, this is the destination of the bus and we're doing this thing together on this mission, right? This is our mission, right? Like not my mission as the CEO. And I think that POV framework allows that to be really tangible for folks. So if you can start practicing that, like I'm always practicing how to say that and I'm always reformulating. And whenever anybody tells me what's your business, what's it about? I try to frame it in that sense and try to get them going on it, right? So like that muscle memory of thinking in that story structure of a point of view is really valuable because you rarely ever start a conversation with anybody. Most of the time, you need to join the conversation going on in their head. And if you can frame the state of the world in the way that they see the world and they agree with you and you state the problem within the ramifications, they agree with you, right? So Mm -hmm. at that point, they start walking along that side. You've joined that conversation and then you're like, and here's the solution for that. Now you're able to steer that conversation to this like future state. Oh, I think that's great. Joining that conversation versus standing at the mountaintop and yelling, this is what you need to be doing. They're like, I don't care. How's that affect me? (laughs) I just see whiff when you're talking about that and what's in it for me and joining that conversation. So you said something that that I almost missed and I want to dig into it for a second. Mm -hmm. You had said that when you're talking to people, you're always thinking about how you're framing this. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine you're out there just hiring masses and masses of people. You're super well connected, know lots of people. I imagine some of that is for networking your business, being out there, customer acquisition. Like what we're talking about today is not just relegated to you need to build a team. Like you can use this narrative and this evangelist idea and everything else to really explode your business in a very positive way. A hundred percent, man. As we've spoken in the past, my grand vision that I had about nine years ago is that community creation is the future of business development. Mm. And for me, the more I've chased this idea of community creation as a business development tool, the more that I realize that business development and talent acquisition and development are 
two parts of the same bicycle, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. so you can't really have one without the other. And to me, the pedals of that bicycle that spin both of those wheels is this like point of view that gets the client, the market to like nod their head with you and your team, your talent to nod their heads together and be working in that same direction. So yeah, you're hundred percent correct. This is a flywheel. They, <laughs> well, you just told me not to talk tech talk, but they call this the double flywheel. They call it like a Ram engine, right? Cause it's one wheel spinning in yeah. one way and the other one spinning together. And kind of like that connective tissue of that is this narrative, is this point of view, is this like designing of a category purposefully. And I'm cool with the flywheel. A lot of our listeners have read Good to Great. And if they haven't, yeah. they know I talk about it enough. I love Jim Collins. Yeah, great yeah. stuff. Yeah, he talks about the flywheel, hedgehog concept, all that other stuff that if you haven't read his book, you're not going to know it. So go read Jim Collins' book. Yeah. But I love this. So two questions I have for you. I think it's a two-part question. You answer them in the right way. But one, you talked about having this point of view. So I'd love to know what our listeners can do to create this point of view. But beyond that, I also want to know, sometimes it's really difficult for a CEO to find bandwidth and time to do this. How do you equip the team or how do you bring the team in on this as well? So two different questions I'd love to have answered. When it comes to messaging and it comes to leadership and all the stuff networking and relationship building and all these different things, I realized that the kerosene for scale on all that stuff is content creation. Mm. You can be in every room in Phoenix talking to every business owner and shaking hands and going around doing like one-to-one or one-to-three or one-to-forty conversations, or you can have this stuff recorded and have this thing be able to like be shared to a thousand people without any marginal effort or whatnot, right? So in in both of these, I'm going to answer, you need to get good at creating content. So let's start with the POV. What is the, what is the content around the POV look like? The way that we do it, I will have a conversation. I'll sit down with a CEO and talk them through this idea of what's the current state of the world? What's the problem with that? What are the ramifications? What is the new way? What's this like big aha idea, right? Like this solution that isn't your product. It's like an idea of like, if we can agree on this, then we can see this future state of the world. That as a recorded conversation where you're just kind of like poking around at that, right? Do a little bit of prep and then have somebody talk through it. That's a really curious person poking around at it at each different thing until you say it a couple different ways and they understand it and they show that they understand that at each different point. And at the end, you just kind of like, all right, cool, man. So then if that's the big new way of doing it and that's the future state, I could see all this and this. And then you can start dream weaving about all these different things. If you have that conversation over an hour, on a Zoom call, or if you want to hire a videographer to produce it and look real good, even better. But like once you create that like long form conversation piece of content, you can take that piece and turn it into all the things, right? Like you can make a movie trailer out of it, right? Like you can turn it into a sizzle reel where you're just kind of like boiling down the hardest hitting points of the CEO speaking and maybe add a little bit of like be real of the media talking about the problem or these ramifications that you're talking about the world, right? Like you can make the movie trailer side out of it. You can make a one pager out of that type of stuff that you can like mail out and get on podcasts, get PR opportunities, get speaking opportunities, right? Like these like POV driven pitches 
work a lot better than me pitches, right? Because again, people care about solving a problem together, not about how sweet you are. So that's our way of doing it. We create this like long form conversation and then start distilling it into other assets. And from a talent standpoint, that can go into your employee handbook. Hey, this is what we believe, right? Like you can turn that into like, give it to ChatGPT, tell it to boil it down into five bullet points, right? Like whatever you want, right? But from that core one hour conversation to me is the easiest start of creating that thing. And I'm a talk thinker, so I I do it this way because I think if you just stare at a blank page and try to write this, it's a lot harder than have the most curious person on your team just really poke your brain about it, right? Like it just kind of reduces that friction. And if it doesn't come out right the first time, you do it a couple of times, you're going to get better at it. So that's the core concept of how you create that POV. Now, the other question that you asked is how do you now create content around this, right? Yeah. How do you get your team involved in, in all of that? Yeah. So one of the things that we believe in the most is to, once you understand that you have this point of view and you understand that problem and you understand the ramifications, take an inventory of who else in your network is out there that agrees with this point of view and has things to plug into the solution, whether it's suppliers and partners in your industry, whether it is other experts in it, whether it is clients of yours that have like solved this issue and are now like beyond that or are really trying to and they figured out a couple things, but not everything and start having recorded conversations about that. And that, my friend, as you know, is the foundation of a great podcast. If you can just start having these recorded conversations about this stuff, you take inventory of the problem and who it's affecting, figure out who you can go talk to about these things. There could be people on your own team and have these conversations about their own like input into it. What I have conversations with people on each different seat of the bus that's moving towards solving this problem. You now have the foundation for a content machine that really scales really well. And once you have that going on, now you can take that podcast, publish it to YouTube as a video, publish it to podcast, the podcast players in the audio. You can take little snippets of it and share it on your social media. You can take lessons learned from each conversation, sharing it in an email, internally, externally, however you want. But what we see is that the people that start doing this seamlessly they're at first they're isolated and they think this is like an external mechanism. They think that this is a marketing exercise for client acquisition. And what ends up happening if you're doing a pretty good job with this stuff in the six to 12 month window is all of a sudden somebody shows up your door like, oh man, I just heard Ryan on the B2B community builder show. And I was in the market for an HR position. And what I really want to do is be a job post copywriter. And I want to go work for him. Mm. Once that starts getting out into the ecosystem, people start doing it. If you also get your own team listening to it, you start finding that, hey, the ones that are really motivated, that really want to help with their problem, they're keying in on it. And they start showing up to your all hands meetings with like, hey, man, I heard you on this podcast with this person. That makes me think, why don't I do my job like this? Or, hey, I heard you talking about this thing and somebody couldn't figure that out. I have a solution for that. Let's hop on the show and talk about it together. Right. So at the center of all this stuff is a content machine that you can start just doing topical every week content. Like if you were the Phoenix Suns and you were having a press conference after every single game, that type of thing for a business is severely underrated because of the iteration, because of the reach and because of your ability to then outsource context to talk about this thing, to help you generate more and more solutions and reach more people that want to be a part of this problem. Wow, I have so much to unpack. <laughs> <Thinking>. <laughs> Sorry. Like, no, that's... <laughs> 
<laughs> wealth of knowledge. That's all I got to say. And there's a ton in there that we haven't tapped, Pablo. Thank you for that. I mean, what I really heard here is the most important thing is as a CEO is to figure out what it is that you're passionate about. What is that purpose or that mission? Get clear on that. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to share it with someone that's very curious, that can ask you those questions that can, what I call poke holes in the boat. They poke holes in the boat. And if the boat still floats at the end, you might be on to something, right? Yeah. And then leveraging your team by having conversation. The things we're already doing, but now we record them. Now we use that, we repurpose them. We make training content out of them. We equip our team so they can be evangelists for us as well. But it's all guided by this CEO who has said, this is our purpose. Yeah, man. If I were to add anything to that is to have that conversation, that foundational conversation, or as many as you can in that context of like current state of the world, Let's get to the point where we agree on the current state of the world. Yeah. What is the problem that's happening in that current state? Let's talk it out until we agree on the problem. What are the ramifications of the problem? Talk it out until we do this. And then you can insert this like, I think the big idea is this. Using that structure in these conversations and getting into like a consensus agreement with each one, at least on the first three points, allows everything else to be missionary-based solution as opposed to mercenary-based solution. You've talked a lot about content and content is, to me, it, it sounds like is the linchpin in this whole thing. Like without content, really hard to do what you're suggesting these CEOs need to do. You actually have a cheat sheet to help them with this process <laughs> because I'm sure some people are going, oh, sounds like a lot. You have a cheat sheet. And by the way, I've seen it. It's amazing. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that cheat sheet and how can someone pick that up? Yeah, man. When we first started doing this thing, right, when I was poking at this like community creation for business development idea, the big aha was the fact that if we can run a podcast as like a live internet kind of talk show kind of thing, now you allow for much quicker iteration and much more feedback capabilities by people joining in. Mm -hmm. And the real value in it is that feedback and it's that back and forth. And in order to magnify that back and forth, the ability to take that one hour long conversation and turn it into the 50 different things that you want to do was absolutely crucial. And as I started trying to do everything myself, I realized that the key is to break it up into five more or less different skill sets. One is the conversation itself, the recorded conversation. The other is how do you comb through it and pick out the best stuff? Then it's how do you edit that out into something beautiful? Then it's how do you write the copy that is going to now be the title and the description and wherever it's going to go, you know, the captions for it that gets people to stop the score. And then it's how do you distribute a big moment for us was when we realized that from step one to step two of picking up the picking out the nuggets, if you were to transcribe something, now it becomes way easier to be like, oh, man, Ryan said something brilliant. And it was in like the first third of the conversation was a minute four fifty two or five twenty two. You waste a lot of effort in that. Once it's transcribed, you can scan it like you read. Mm -hmm. You can control effort and find that part 
highlight it, and then send it to your video editor to edit it out, right? So that was the big aha moment is bringing it up into those five things so that you can go from like being the person that does everything to have different people in different roles doing it. And then the huge breakthrough happened when we found this tool called Descript that kind of does all those things together at the same time, right? So like this tool Descript will take a video, transcribe it. You can then read through it, highlight things, clip them out, and you can edit a video the same way that you edit a Word document, right? So like once you have that figured out, we also figured out we could upload these like templates into the script so that when you're clipping out that piece, it goes straight into this like social media template with a headline and all the different things. And we created this like whole process around it. So that's what we created in this cheat sheet. We turned it into this like beautiful infographic that you can read and see it. It's got clickable links of how to do all of it, that you can see a video of it and doing it. And I think I gave it to Kim, right? Right after our podcast episode, you guys started using it. Like I'm a tech idiot, man. I specifically tested it on myself to see if it could work. If you go to be the stage dot live slash cheat sheet, you can download that template. And whenever the next time we do that, we actually teach our whole way of how we do the relationship flywheel bootcamp. You can sign up to be on the wait list for how to run these live shows and use these things as like a relationship flywheel for yourself. That is awesome. And we will have the link in our show notes for that it is an incredibly valuable resource. I was just sharing with Pablo that I finally dug into the script and Oh my gosh, changed my life and just using it one time. It was incredible. So Pablo, thank you so much for being here today. Ton of great stuff. I got a whole page of notes, like literally have a whole page of notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Happy to do it, man. I see you as a world-class evangelist CEO. And when I see that, I like to buddy up with them, right? Because it's my people. I think there's two types of people in the world. They're the ones that are happy to be behind the scenes and build a team that can do everything for them. And then there's people that want to be out there tip of the spear, leading the charge, right? Like the Alexander the Great that wants to be on the horse on the front end of the attack. Those are the kind of guys that I echo with, man. So I appreciate what you're doing and the way that you're doing it. So I'm happy to be guilty by association with you whenever I can, man. Thank you. Thank you. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Titans of the Trades. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, click the subscribe button. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry. Want to know more about how we're doing that? Go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.